Hello and welcome to Accessory of Thought. This is just a short prelogue, uh, just to say that this style of episode can be slightly different to what you're used to. Um, me and Ben are going to step back, going to take a slightly less intellectual approach. Uh, so to bring someone from the community in, uh, just to hear them out, hear what, hear what they've got to say. Uh, if you want more of this kind of style of episode, please let us know. Uh, leave some feedback in the comments or contact us on Instagram. Um, and that is it on the show. And there was no laughing or sniggering or interrupting yeah. going, that doesn't make sense. They all, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit that day. They all, I was as yeah. if I was on fire, like, and they were all just sitting there. And then when I was finished, we, that was like the conversation for the next three days, just at breakfast. We, the only thing we could do in India, we couldn't bring any electronics or something like that. We, we just had these chess sets. And so I, I, I really love my metaphors and I write a lot and I read books. And so I, I sort of like, sort of grab onto that idea of metaphors and i based sort of the christian argument as a game of chess and like the queen would be the death and resurrection of christ okay. and so we had the sort of mental game of chess where they would move their pieces their queens okay. and stuff and then i would be like well let's see this takes that sort of piece because of uh, it's sort of so very sort of like to imagine things like that but yeah it can be quite hard to follow i gather but it was that moment no, really, where there's a generation out there who read a lot especially mm. with this coronavirus people have done nothing but reading mm. and watching online they might have stopped so the problem is the confusion it really, but it really got to them though because all these boys they'd all be in chess club in St Malagies they'd all be doing so okay. that's what that's what really sparked their interest well you're helping them to understand aye, aye. yeah um, and it was that testing moment. testing can you, can you hear me alright that's yeah. okay oh good um, testing testing but yeah, so it was from that. And the reason why I want to sort of good, I don't know if I will be an RA teacher, but for right now, the structure of my life is to get there because to me, RE is bland <laughs> these days in schools. Yeah. There's, it's just, there's no there's no passion for it. There's no reason, there's no, nobody, I, I've, I've talked to a few RE teachers and none of them sit me down and say why RE is important. They just sit there and they teach about the Bible, yeah. about know the quran about just religions and when you ask them well why what is it what is it that you can give what is it that people can get out of our in these days when all like all kids have a moral political spiritual standpoint by the time they're eight years old because of the things they have in their pockets like how can you break through to that how can you teach re as a christian without uh, first obviously there's a there's a standard that you need to have in the classroom where you can't obviously be biased or favoritism mm. or anything like that so there is that you have to be careful of but how is it that you know you can make it interesting so that when they leave the classroom there's still learning going on there's still debate happening mm. when they've all left how can you ensure that actually what you've said has made people think and i think that's what that's a calling 
for me because I, I love that whenever people there's little these these little questions that people don't quite know the answer I just want to jump in and I want to discuss and question and have these conversations with them I want to understand them be friends with them and ultimately be there whenever they god willing decide to be a Christian but that's sort of the idea in my head at the minute and I think it's good you can open for people Northern Ireland's been quite a close community. Yes, I mean you're not a child of the troubles, but I am. Mm-hmm. And and if you, when I was nineteen, your age, um, Northern Ireland was a completely different place, mm-hmm. and nobody would have come here. So you had, you know, within the confines of Northern Ireland and politics and all the rest of it but the, nobody thought about these other faiths yeah. nobody thought about islam judaism buddhism hinduism and and people were driven away from the church mm. in certain ways uh, as well uh, and you'll find that both within protestant yeah. and catholic i mean yeah every time I, i'm applying trying to apply for jobs and stuff every time i apply for a job it's like are you a, Pro- are you a protestant or a catholic every single time yeah, yeah, so, there's, you know, there's a, still there you want to start this then? I'm going to start because we can wow. chat all those things, Aye. but make sure you cut watch what you put out. Aye. Because what you don't want to put out is something that you want the gospel to offend people, but you don't want what you, you know. Aye, we don't want to offend anyone. There, well, there's no point because all you're doing is then offending people. That's Aye. not the purpose. Aye. Like, I mean, we, we obviously we obviously love people and we don't want, obviously. Anybody yeah. to, but and, and you can we, sometimes make a bland statement, but say Roman Catholic. Sometimes some, people like to make trouble. Yeah, and sometimes well, online, online is, I, is just I wild. I mean, that, I, I mean, you, you, so you just watch. I'm just saying that to you. Watch what you do say. Just think maybe I, a wee yeah. bit. Edit it before you. Yeah. Please send me a copy before you do send it. I just guess. I just I'm a wee bit careful because of all the people I'm involved mm. with. You know, yeah. yeah. It's not not affect me, really. No. It can affect loads of other people. No. And it can affect ministries. And it can affect... Anyway, here do you want to start? So, um, not to put you on the spot, but we usually start off usually a funny thing. Do you know any good jokes? No, no, no. That's 10 in the morning, boys. You tell me a good joke at that's 10 in the morning. I can't think of a joke. <laughs> uh, I know a visual joke, but that's not good on a podcast. Right. No, no. Describe the visual joke. Uh, uh, no. You should ask me about jokes. We could look up jokes on the internet. That'd oh. be a good idea. Uh, that's 10 in the morning. Uh, yeah, you want just something funny to start with. I know it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, I can pretend to fall over, Josh. <laughs> uh, um, I think we should just. Yeah. Nah, well, just we can just start it. Yeah, just start it. Yeah, just start okay, uh, welcome to this episode of Accessory to Thought. Today we have a special guest, Stanley Kyle. Uh, say hello. Hello, how are you? Nice to be with you this morning. Yeah. So. Um, Stanley, how about uh, we just start off? Describe describe a bit about yourself. Uh, what what are you trying to do at the moment? Right, a bit about myself. I've grown up in Northern Ireland. Um, I have a wife and two kids. Yes, uh, so I'm an older person than you, <laughs> pair. So please don't switch off this if you're listening to this, just because I'm slightly older than these guys here. Um, in my own life. Uh, I I became a Christian when I was twenty four. Uh, my father died when I was twenty one. If I can, you allow me to say all this? Yes, yes I can fire away. 
Uh, can I explain why I became a Christian? Maybe that's you can cut this out, do whatever you want. That's here, but why I became a Christian? Well, one, I was brought up certainly under Christian influences. But what happened to me was life was absolutely wonderful. And at 21 years of age, I probably had everything from a good job to a girlfriend to money to go on foreign holidays to have a car to have whatever in life. And I, although I had been brought up in a Christian home and a Christian environment, um, I wasn't really thinking much about Christianity. That that can happen to you. And when you're 21 years of age, life is wonderful, maybe. Maybe it's not for you. I don't know if you're listening to this, if it is. But there's so much ahead of you. And you don't really think about one thing in life, the thing you probably should think about, and that's death. And I probably never thought much about death. I only remember ever seeing one person dead when I was about eight, and it was my grandmother. And on one particular occasion, uh, it was a December, it was extremely cold. It was one of the coldest Decembers we ever had in Northern Ireland. Um, And I went out with mates for a night uh, where we were working, went for a Christmas party, went and done all the usual things that lots of boys just do, go out, bit of booze, drinking. And in fact, I was probably, I didn't come home at about three in the morning. Uh, I was living with my parents. I'd actually still, I think, a glass of beer in my hand coming home at three in the morning, but I wasn't drunk by any means, but I was not completely sober. But the bottom line was I went to bed and I had two very loving parents, my mum and dad, very close to them. I was the youngest of four. I had three older brothers. And because there was a gap between me and the three older brothers, they had left the house, uh, married, etc. So I was at home on my own. And about an hour and a half after I got into bed, about half four in the morning, somewhere around that, I heard the screams of my mum. And I run downstairs to find my father lying on our living room floor. And I took it to be a heart attack. I hadn't a clue. Uh, we had a nurse left beside us and a doctor left beside us. I run out into the snowy night. Couldn't waken the nurse. Run across the road and the doctor woke and came over. And he examined my father. And he said to me these words. Um, Stanley he says, I'm sorry. But your father is dead. And I don't know, as you're listening to this today, what your experience is of people who have passed from this scene of time or of death. My father was an extremely fit and healthy man. He was 69 years of age. And the only illness I ever remember my dad having was he broke a leg on two occasions because he was a bit of a builder. Um, He he fell off a roof one time (coughs) and broke a leg on another occasion. A, a holiday place actually slept and fell and broke a leg apart from that I never knew my father with any illness so here was this man who had walked about two or three miles the previous day in the snow and he's now lying dead on our living room floor and so God and you, you asked me who I am or what I where did life for me I was really shook up over that time as you could imagine um, and for the next, uh, and probably ask myself the question, especially whenever you're putting a body down into a grave 
And the question I asked myself, if that was me, if that was me going into that grave, my body, where would I go? I had been taught earlier in life about um, eternity, about having a soul. Maybe as you're listening to this today, maybe you're thinking, this guy's off his rocker. Uh, I mean, we go into the grave and that's all there is. And I just have to ask you the question, is that all there is? Is, is there something, is this all life is, that we are born, we live, we try to have as much as we can of this world, we enjoy ourselves as much as we can, we reach old age, hopefully, we die and that's it. And that really started questioning me. I hadn't, I wasn't even sure at that time. I hadn't thought a lot at that time about Christianity, death, or anything else. And over the next two and a half odd years, I just went on with life. Life was still good. I changed jobs. I had a company car. It's amazing when the guy that employs you not only asks you, do you want a car, a brand new car, but asks you what colour of car you want. Uh, so life was really good for me. I was studying part-time at a university as well. Um, I had a girlfriend who was in a good situation, good work. And I was in a place when I was 24 years of age. And I was in a job that I grew to hate. Pressure. And I left the job and the money and the car. And all of that. And about 10 days later, after that, I had a friend um, called Mervyn. And Mervyn and me have been friends since we were about eight years of age, since we were at school together. And Mervyn, about two years prior to this, had thought much about life, death as well. Him and me had had a, a, a strange experience on a flight that couldn't land at Belfast Airport and they tried to take it to Dublin and it couldn't land and they were going to take it to Manchester and eventually they took it back to Belfast and they landed with a thud. I don't know where it was that or not, whether it was that reality or whether it was something that shook us up, but it certainly shook Mervyn up and he started to think about life and death and uh, God opened his heart. He came to know Christ as a saviour. He came to know Jesus in a personal way and I could see the change in Mervyn's life. This was a guy who'd done exactly the same as me, partied the same as me. Uh, we spent nights running to bars, whatever it happened to be. And I'm not saying that's uh, the way that maybe you see life. Uh, maybe you're not even doing any of those things. Maybe your life's completely different to that. But that was the way we were. And we enjoyed that life. But Mervyn came to faith in Christ and it changed his life completely. God meant everything to him. In fact, I met him a week ago uh, uh, and and Mervyn continues to go on with uh, God and, and loving the Lord. So that that's where I came at that point. And that night when I was 24 years of age, he took me to a meeting. I uh, the, the speaker actually talked about uh, Jesus and, and forgiveness. But that night I did find forgiveness in Christ. That night I came to recognise there is something within me, a sinfulness within me, and God is holy. Again, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, God doesn't even exist. Probably question you on that and ask you to really think deeply about that. 
Uh, why are we here? Are we here by accident? As as you know, um, so uh, Josh, I'm not sure. That's maybe didn't want that big long thought, but you can cut that out or have that or do whatever you want. No, that was that was that was perfect. And and, and at that time, basically, since then, I I I I I've, I I'm much older. I'm a man. Um, much older than that now. I've known the Lord 36, 37 years. Uh, and, and God has taken me in, in many directions. And I work with a mission in Belfast. I work with people. I love people from all different backgrounds. And love to talk to people just about God and about Jesus. And not force people. But let's have an open conversation. And why do I do that? Because I believe that there is something beyond the grave. Jesus tells us that. God's word tells us that. The Bible tells us that. There is an eternity. There is a judgment. And what will we do if we're to face that? And the only one who can make us right is Christ. Because he died, rose from the dead. To deliver us from our sin. But also to give us eternal life. But also to give us life that's abundant in this life. To give us a, I have a joy in life. Uh, my life is not born by any means. I'm not sure as you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, as Christians born, are their lives all, you know, sad? Um, uh, I love uh, music. I, I love sport. I actually worked in a sports shop for 22 years, so if you want to talk to me about sport, <laughs> I'd probably talk to you as much about sport as anything. Uh, so love sport, played sport, whether it was golf, tennis, football, table tennis, swimming, you name it, tried everything. And would still, um, I'm still not, I'm still fairly fit at the age I'm at, still able to do a few of those things. So, um, and love doing those things and, and love meeting people. Love uh, when we can travel. COVID 19 has stopped us from traveling a wee bit, some of us. Mm-hmm. But I've loved traveling in many different countries, being in many different places, whether that's at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem or whether that's been in the Dome of the Rock or in in the great mosque in in, uh, Abu Dhabi or wherever else, seeing what other people think, believe, what do they believe, what's this life all about? Uh, So that's roughly a wee bit of life at the minute, Josh. So um, you're involved with uh, uh, reaching out to people who haven't heard the gospel. Yep, that Um, that would be me and thought, yeah, yep. Uh, how long have you been doing that now? Well, really, I suppose since I became a Christian. I mean, I, I just took it as a normal, natural thing. I remember being a Christian about a week. And uh, uh, there was, uh, uh, from our church, just a group of kids, you could say teenagers, went along with them. And that night, one or two of them became Christians. And really, my life has been, ever since, just, it's always been that, really. And whether it's, through church life or whether it's through uh, a mission. I work in Belfast with many different people and I love people and people know the love that we have for them. Uh, A lot of the folk I work with are asylum seekers, refugees. So I meet people and I'm with people from all over Africa, Asia, wherever they come from. Um, And so just a love for people and, and also a love to help people. Uh, uh, um, God doesn't just uh, preach at us. It's lovely, I think, in the Bible. Jesus fed the 5,000 because they were hungry. Mm. He, he didn't actually stand and, and, and deliver a big sermon while everybody couldn't even, you know, listen because they were so hungry. And he healed the sick. Uh, so 
So the ministry of Christ was was uh, so much more. Uh, he 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 believed in helping people where they were, and so I would exactly feel the same ways. I mean, we've helped people um, with education, with English, trying to help them uh, uh, get into the right school, into the right college, um, help them in work environments, get people trained. And people have other issues in life. A lot of the people I work with have, have, have issues with housing, for instance. Some people live in very downtrod housing and therefore you're trying to help them in those situations. Uh, some people are abused because of race situations. Uh, so you, you're maybe involved in that as well. Uh, but you have a love for those people. And whether they become a Christian or not, you long for them to do that. You long for them to come to know Jesus personally. And to know this one who walks with you each day. But um, should they not become a Christian, that doesn't change my attitude to them. Uh, God loves them and so should we. And the Bible teaches us, uh, you know, we're to even love our enemies. Well, I can't think I've got any enemies at the minute. I, I'm really sitting here, I'm not really, I'm not really any enemies. I, don't, I hope I don't have too many enemies. But um, to love all people, hmm. uh, you know. Uh, no matter whatever background they're from, whatever uh, race they're from, uh, whatever they believe or don't believe. Uh, I have some wonderful conversations with people who don't believe there is a God. And that's fine. And that's wonderful to just talk about that. And what would be your greatest struggles when talking about the gospel to these people who have maybe never heard of it before? You mean from a different faith background or from a non-faith background? Uh, both. Okay, well, from a faith background, everybody... Uh, if you're talking to someone from a faith background, uh, should that be Muslim, Jew, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever background that happens to be, people have their own faith. First of all, I respect people having a faith. I mean, how would I like it if someone came to my door and said, uh, Christianity is rubbish? The Bible is horrendous uh, and Christians were the uh, people who started all the wars in the world or something. You can imagine how I would feel. So so I, I, I don't feel that way. And, and I have to remember where those people have been brought up from and respect. Maybe they have a holy book that they respect. Maybe they have a way of life. And some of the people that I've known, many of the people I've known, are very respectful people. They bring up their children in lovely families. Uh, just the same as I've brought up my children, I hope, in a lovely family. Um, they, they have uh, uh, desires for their children to do well in life, to be educated, to live well. Uh, they are Many of them uh, from those faith backgrounds are very law-abiding people. Um, so I have, a, I have a great respect for them. But I think they also understand where I come from, that I have a faith. Um a faith in Jesus, a faith in this person whom I believe to be the Son of God. And why do I believe that? Uh, one, because the Bible teaches that. But two, because Jesus proved who he was. Uh, you can say, you can say, uh, and whether you have a faith or no faith, I, I, I sometimes say something along the lines maybe to people, um, if, 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 if you tell me you're the greatest footballer in the world, well, then go and prove it to me, you know. You can't just say something. 
I can't say to you I'm a brain surgeon, you know, <clears throat> uh, unless I'm able to take you to the hospital next week and show you me doing an operation and a successful operation at <laughs> like that. You know, you're not going to believe me for that. So, so why would I believe who Jesus is, for instance, you know? Where would that come from? And it comes from the understanding that the Bible taught us about the Bible prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was born who the Messiah would be. Starts in Genesis 3.15. Starts talking about the seed of the woman, uh, how he will crush the head of, 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 of Satan and how Satan will snap at his heels. Now, Genesis 3 and 15 is the first prophecy of, a, of a, the coming of the Messiah. And there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. And mathematically, that's impossible for one person to say they can fulfill all those prophecies unless they are that one person. Because many of the prophecies about Jesus, for instance, were written hundreds of years before he came. So Jesus couldn't have, it's like you, you and I, the three of us talking today, I was born in a certain place. There was no way I could plan that before I was born. Right. Jesus was born in a certain place in Bethlehem. He couldn't have planned that. He was born of a certain lineage of the line of David. He was born, the Bible teaches of the line of Abraham as well. He was born of a virgin. He was, there was one after the other. And not only all those prophecies, but the prophecies about who he would be, the type of person he would be, how he would suffer. And, and the miracles that he done, you know, uh, think of Mark chapter 2, guys. I'm just thinking of that for a minute or two. The beginning of Mark chapter 2, where, where the paralytic is brought along. The friends bring along the paralytic and the man who's paralyzed. And they lay him down before Jesus. They dig through the roof, and you can imagine that. Digging through your roof, what you'd feel like, you know. But they lay this man, and he says to the paralytic, he says, well, it's easier to say to the paralytic, you know, Arise, take up your bed and walk, or to say your sins are forgiven. So I'll ask Jewish pair boys that question. What's easier to say? Arise, take up your bed and walk, or to say your sins are forgiven? Probably say, arise, get up and walk. Well, it's, it's, it's the other way around. It's much harder to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, because if you could do that, we wouldn't need an NHS. You could just walk through the NHS hospitals and say, arise, get up mm. out of your bed and walk, you know? Um, so what, that, like, hard evidence that's just right in front you can't really... You well, say your sins are forgiven. Well, you can't prove it. Yeah. You know, if I said to someone on the street, uh, I know someone who can forgive your sins, or if you do this, you'll... For that, that, that's a bit of a... It's not a cop-out, but it's it's, it's not provable really but if the man who says he will forgive your sins says and so that you may know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins on earth i say to you this was to the paralytic arise take up your bed and walk what did the guy do he did that he did that and he walked out through them and they were amazed you got to remember the house was packed the outside was packed jesus didn't do this in a and some sort of seclusion of uh, nobody recording this, no historians, nobody there. He'd done this in front of the crowds. And not only uh, were there those who became Christians, uh, historians, like Matthew, Mark, Luke and John take the four Gospels, 
Matthew and John were with Jesus, saw the miracles. Uh, Luke, alive at that time, a doctor who, who got the evidence from those who were with Jesus as well. Mark's gospel is taken mostly from the sayings of Simon Peter. Again, probably the disciple between John and Peter, the two disciples who were closest to Jesus. But it wasn't only them. There was people like Josephus and others who, who were historians, Jewish historians, who had no reason to make an account of these stories of Jesus if they were false. But they showed that the stories were true. So that's... Um, Maybe where I'm coming from, if you said to me, what would I say to people? Those are just some thoughts of just opening a conversation. But but one of the biggest things for me personally is knowing the change that's been in my own personal life of a God who has loved me, forgiven me and cared for me. And that's something that's personal. I can't, I, I, I can't really uh, pass that on to you personally except to say to you that I know my sins are forgiven. Uh, through Christ because he tells us and if we believe his word if we believe what it says in the Bible uh, uh, if all who come to me you know if we seek him we will find him if we seek him with all our heart but if we are skeptical well we can be skeptical of course but if we truly want to know God we can know God um, I'm not sure does that answer your question and it doesn't matter really where the person has faith or not faith some people I've talked to don't believe in God, or at least that's at least that's what they would say they believe there's no God. But I think the deeper you get, I had a conversation with someone recently on that conversation, from, from a, a, the guy who's from a science background, but and after we were discussing this for about an hour, I, I, I said to him, are you sure that when you die there's nothing there? And he says to me, well, no, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, there's probably nothing there's probably the way he thought about it but he had no guarantee so I says you're basing your life on some sort of gamble some sort of probability that there there isn't a God and yet you look around you uh, I do anyway I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, an over uh, I'm not any massive intellectual debates not that I couldn't have an intellectual debate right. but but very simply, when I look, and many of the people actually I would work with, uh, it's quite strange. I, I remember talking to a man, and, and maybe you're from the West as you're listening to this, and maybe you're from a place like I've come from, but I remember I'm an African man, very intelligent African man said to me, he says, Stanley, do you know what we say about the white man in Africa? This is what the Africans say. He, mm. he just was saying, and this, by the way, this is not a race comment. I'm not wanting this to be a race comment. He was just joking with me, but he wasn't. He says, he says, the white man no longer believes in a God of miracles. And I thought about that for a moment or two. And as you're listening to this, and, uh, and this is not a race comment, please don't take it as that. Uh, but from my own, from people who, uh, I'm white and where I've grown up from, and do we believe any longer here in the West, in Western Europe, what do you believe or do, do, do your friends believe any longer in the God of miracles, the God who made us? Is there intelligent design? Is there something more has made this world, this earth? And I know you'll have loads of, uh, you'll have lots of thoughts this morning maybe, or as you listen to this, you maybe could say, I could hammer that boy on science and I'm sure you could. 
I could probably also bring you science, Christian scientists who would argue with you all day long as well. But that wouldn't be the end. That, that's not the point. The point is in your inner self today, as you look at the world, as you look at the mountains, the seas, the, the trees, uh, as you think of the bigger picture, as you think of the cosmos, as you think of, uh, as I had a friend who, who, who studied the cosmos, etc., going away out, he used to talk about how far out do you go before you start coming back. No one knows the size of what's out there, the galaxies, the billions of stars. So who made this? Uh, if I said to you today to jump in your car and turn the key, <coughs> but that car has just somehow appeared there. You know, it just, just it miraculously all came together, the metal, the glass, whatever, the rubber, it all came together, the electrics. No, somebody designed that car. Somebody sat down and planned that car. Somebody put those pieces together in a certain order. And that car is a car because it's been made in that way. It just didn't just appear. It just didn't just happen. There had to be a plan. I want to just quickly uh, run with that idea just for a couple of minutes. Um uh, so say a materialist atheist they would probably say well of course the car wasn't it didn't come by it came up through intelligent design but uh, that's beside the point I'm saying all this everything else was just by accident but then if you, if, you, if that's what everything's by accident then you know uh, like if someone um, someone may say right what, what would you think if you find like a Coca-Cola can on Mars or some other planet we, some planet we've never been to, right? You think, oh, there's or milk Coca Cola because that's yeah. obviously her yeah. Earth, but it's something similar, right? You think, oh, there must be some sort of intelligence here, something that can see something has a purpose that to, to design such a thing. But if, you, if from the materialist perspective, there are Coca Cola cans just on some planet, and that planet's called Earth, and if anything's by accident, then, you know. Through a random chain of chemical events, it mm. did produce some Coca-Cola cans. And uh, if you, because I think I think you need to put that in perspective that that like it, it, as as like self uh, as obvious as it is that a car would have design. You know, uh, some people don't realize that they hold the worldview that it is just by accident that this car just came about. Mm. Yes, yeah, because like I'll let you speak later, but because uh, uh, for um, I remember uh, Sunday school, like back when I was in Sunday school, uh, the teacher had like a bag full of stuff. I'm not sure if it was a broken watch or something. And I said, imagine, imagine if all these pieces just shook about really hard, and they created this pristine watch that he had in his other hand and it was like finally changed whatever and you know even back then you know our, our world was like pretty saturated with materialism and i was i was like hmm, this isn't i'm not sure about that uh you know because because i've i've heard the arguments for mm. the big bang whatever evolution and i was thinking oh well obviously it's different but it's not different it's not like it's just more steps that uh, 
you know, there's just this big bang and these funny chin watches came about. Mm. But there, I think there, there, there has to be a, a step in there. Well, no, someone, someone visualized a funny chin watch and they aimed towards that and they made that. Mm. I suppose it comes to the, comes to the conversation, I guess. Um, the idea of worth and value, as you said, cars, cars only have value to their owners. Mm. Um, if people believe we came about by accident by a moment in time that just was how then do we place value well as somebody who isn't a believer would probably say we and i had this i had this conversation with a girl in school once about how we only give value to the things that we give value and essentially if you look at your family you give value to your family because you love your family and ask where's this idea of love come from why do you love something that was just as you say merely coca-cola cans why would you put so much hope and dreams into something that simply was by accident if there's nothing after death why do we hold on to life for as long as we can why do we you know fear it as much as we do this value question comes from the idea that we first were valued uh we love because he first loved us um and we and we and we get that because we are children of god we were created and um and we are brought up through his teachings and his lessons like the father that he is what i want to know is how um stanley how you can how how you can say that to somebody who simply just says well it's my instinct that we're just here by accident it's my gut instinct and that's all they've been saying um i have a friend who says that and i've been friends with him since for years now about eight years now and i talk to him a lot about this but he just says gut instinct i give value to what i want to give value to i devalue what i don't want to value it's my gut instinct that Jesus didn't exist. It's my gut instinct that, you know, maybe Jesus did exist, but like he has no relevance in my life. And that's just gut instinct. How do you break through that barrier by just as we've discussed these different things, these steps that were taken to ensure that this creation was pure and full of love and value? Well, do you really believe, does someone really believe they're here by a pure accident? Because it leaves you valueless almost mm-hmm. in life it leaves mm-hmm. you what's life about and i and i'm going to i'm going to mention probably a subject that really affects younger people and younger men and it's suicide in many ways and and i think that's so sad because people very often get to a stage there's at one stage i worked with samaritans okay mm. and uh, actually people with faith would generally be less liable to commit suicide. They, they realize there is value to their faith and uh, and more to life. Uh, and, and I sometimes wonder, have we left a society now more and more valueless? Uh, what is the worth of you or me to society? How does society see that? Uh, how are we valued? Why is a footballer worth multi-millions? And, and and yet, and there's a big argument, an unborn child seems to be worth 
Nothing. So 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 you have to watch that when you go down that route too far. Um society can break up. Mm. Uh, or or the society that we live in here in the West, a lot of it's based on Christian principles in many ways too. So a lot that we have today that people are trying to actually remove from society is actually based very much on, on principles. Mm. How, how do you answer someone who says it's their gut instinct that, that... I think the thing... Well, you can't. That's up to the person. I think this is a very personal thing. Each, mm. each person... Um, you know, I've never tried to say to someone, take a shotgun to them and go, boys, you must... Be, you know, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, if the person says, I, 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 it's my gut instinct, I go, well, that, that's okay. That's your understanding. But would you not consider... I remember someone saying recently, um, life, think of, think of how many hours there is. If we live roughly, the average age of a UK person now is around 80 years of age, somewhere around that, okay? Mm. Uh, ladies live slightly longer than men. And we'll look at any of that discussion this morning, <laughs> why that is. But I mean, but the bottom line is, so if you count 80 years of life as an average roughly, and you count all those hours that has been... You, you could live would it not be worth at least a few of those hours you can read a chapter of the bible in five minutes for instance okay and and, and the bible has been proven over and over and over and over and over again mm. of its accuracy where it came from how meticulous the jews were and copying it down one generation to another with uh thousands of copies of uh uh, the 2nd century, uh, where uh, the New Testament, for instance, and large portions of it are kept in museums and around the world. So so there is massive, massive evidence that Jesus not only existed, but what that he said was, you know, what he done was true. It was, it was backed up. So what do you do with this man who has backed up all this evidence and then claims to be the Son of God and dies on a cross, and then rises from the dead. And the people that he rose, and they say he rose from the dead. Well, would you die? Would you die for an unworthy man? Would you die for a lie? I mean, if I asked mm. you today, Ben, would you? Would you? Would you die for a lie? No. If you knew it was, if you knew something was a lie, why? Why would Peter allow himself? Today, why would the eleven out of the twelve disciples were martyred for their faith? Mm. Why? Why would you do that? Uh, uh, why? Why would you go that route if you knew that the resurrection was a complete lie? And therefore, if the resurrection is true, which I believe it is, and it's what the Bible teaches, then we sense in ourselves that there is something beyond the grave. And I know you can say, your friend maybe could say, I've got instinct, and, and that's that's okay, but has he ever thought, has he ever read, has he ever studied, has he ever has he ever said to God, if God, if you, if there is a God, make yourself, reveal yourself to me. Has he ever asked that, maybe? Yeah, no, question? he has. It was probably in our early, early teenage mm. years, he would... I would. I went into school very much, sort of Calvinist, very much Turner Burn kind of. I didn't count myself as a Christian looking back then, but mm. that's sort of the character of who I was. Yeah. So I made it my mission to ensure that every person around me had a miserable time <laughs> talking to me about if they weren't a Christian. 
um but he stuck with me and uh we had many conversations and he would often ask well why didn't he just why didn't he just show himself and i would say well he did you know how many times do you want him to show yourself yeah. look at the bible he did show himself then what make what's the difference if he showed himself now and then two thousand years later another one of you yeah. like another person who thinks the same as you and he said like god doesn't conform himself to our standards god doesn't god's not on speed dial got you know to non-believers where they say right show yourself to me you know god's like but i did yeah. and i love you and i'm here with you and i really wanting you to understand this and this is why i have my children there because they have accepted and it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to know christ and that that's what i would often say to him but it's often met with a you know, shrug off just like well yeah no i respect what you believe and that's everywhere any person you talk to who is fairly decent would say yeah yeah no i understand and i just i respect that i respect that and i think that's 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 another wall i think the push through is like you believe what you believe i believe what i believe and you can't it feels like you can't get anywhere once that's been said it's like you believe what you believe i believe what i believe i respect it you respect me and i'm like well yeah of course i do and then they're like well yeah there we go so um you want to do something else or <laughs> you know and i feel like that's a really hard barrier to sort of push through it's a massive hard barrier and, mm. and, that, and I have to say this even I've done a lot of door to door work as you would say going around different d- uh. and talking to people or, or just meeting people streets wherever you meet people and and I think people have a certain respect for you yeah, if that's what you believe if that's what you're happy with then go and do it me I'm happy in the world I'm in and if, if, if it was only about this life then that's fine you know if it was only about you know this life the problem, the big problem is the Bible very clearly tells us that there will be a judgment to come mm-hmm. after this life. In Hebrews it tells us there'll be the judgment. And there's lots of explanations about the judgment. God will judge us, each and every one of us, individually. And and therefore you're asking the question then, uh, for the Bible talks about heaven and hell. Now, as as I mean, as 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 the devil, the way that we see the devil to be, or is he just as this wee man with a fork and you know horns or whatever else? And you know, you know, you know. So we've made a caricature of him, or we've made some simplified model of him, or whatever else. But the Bible doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. The Bible clearly talks about Satan. Clearly talks about how he deceives from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, the deception, and even Jesus himself. 40 days in the wilderness and and Satan coming uh, three times to him and and, and, and and ask him direct questions in many ways. Are you the son of God? Prove, turn this uh, stone into bread and all the rest of it. Uh, again, this whole idea of, uh, you know, uh, do this, do this and I'll believe in you. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was never going to, you know, and, uh, in fact, he knows exactly who Jesus was. So there, the reason that we are, could you say ardent about, uh, and not only ardent, but we're really concerned. Uh, if if I if, if the three of us sitting here today had a cure for cancer, would we just want to keep it for ourselves and our family, maybe, you know? So I've got some, uh, uh, I happen to be you guys, and, and one of you happens to be a great scientist, and all of a sudden you've, you've, you've found a cure for cancer. What would I do with that? 
what would we do with that? You know, yeah. we just come through the coronavirus. Uh, we're still in the midst of it. And what did the world do? Governments and, and, and pharmaceutical companies spent multi-billions, never mind millions, to, to try and find a vaccine, which I've had one dose of so far, that, that seems to be working. And because we... And, 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 uh, but if the buddy who invented the vaccine had kept it for himself and his family and a few friends... How would you, if you're listening to this today, feel about that? And that's the same about Christianity. We have found the Saviour. We have found the one who has saved us from our sins. We have found the one who has rescued us. We've come to know Jesus personally. And and why could he rescue you as no other? The Bible actually talks about the blood of bulls and goats are no longer acceptable. Uh, that Jesus was sent. God loved us so much; He sent His only begotten Son, as it talks about. So that 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 whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But sometimes we forget about that God so loved, mm. and it's not about just this judgment and this God that hates you and this God that despises you and wants to squash you. But it's about a God of love who's come to rescue you. And it's in our almost like in our DNA. We we sin. I remember, if, if, if you would permit me, one we minute to just talk about. I remember been uh, talking to a guy. I was actually in London on the street, talking to folks. And my uh, children at that time were very young. Uh, this was many years ago. And this guy had a child with him, probably about uh, a year old, maybe fifteen months mm-hmm. old. And the Bible in Romans three. It talks about all are born in sin, you know, you know. Uh, and this guy said to me, he says, you mean to say my child is a sinner, is sinful, does, you know, is innocent. And the only thing I could think of really was, I thought, you know, you see, if I took my own child and put them on, a, on, a, on an island somewhere on their own, they would know how to sin. They would know how to they wouldn't need to be taught. Mm-hmm. It is something within us. Hatred, pride, uh, you know, lust, whatever it happens to be, our, our eyes fall on the things that are uh, God hates. We do the things that God hates. And it's maybe, maybe you're saying to me, maybe you're listening to this and going, well, I've never <laughs> murdered someone, I've never stolen anything. You know, but but what's your heart like? What, what are you like inside? What about, Where's the anger? Where's the frustrations? Where's the lust for other things? Where's the desires? Uh, even recently, this whole discussion on race. Where does that apply to your life, my life, and the way that we've been brought up? Do, do we love people equally as God has made us all equal? Uh, you know? Um, or, or or do we see ourselves as greater than others or whatever else? So just, just uh, mm-hmm. big thoughts. But this God that loves us, Ben, you know, and... Uh, 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 and a God who has revealed himself to us in Christ and and, and, and has opened a door. Um, he hasn't closed a door. And, and and here we are. You're you're living and if you're living in, in the West listening to us, you maybe could be living somewhere else listening to us, because with mm. with technology nowadays you could be living anywhere listening to us. But if you are, look at the freedoms we have, freedoms that we've been given. But freedoms to, to, to read God's word, to read the Bible. 
I'm probably just going to ask if you're listening to this, have you ever read God's word? Have you ever, have you ever turned to the Bible and and taken a, taken a simple gospel like Mark? It's fourteen chapters, and it's basically four or five minutes a chapter. You could read Mark's gospel in slightly over an hour, even reading it slowly, taking an hour and a half, and and and, and trying to start to understand who Jesus is. I remember a friend. Uh, uh, was so consumed this was many years ago about the New Testament and somebody talking to him about the New Testament mm. and I don't know how true this is but he said it took, he was an editor of a magazine so he was quite a, a writer as well and he said he sat down and for 14 hours he started at Matthew 1 and he worked his way right through to Revelation 22 and he just read it the whole way right through and he came to faith in Christ but such was he read it right through in one sitting in one day so I take it uh, it's possible to read the New Testament if you get up in the morning mm-hmm. and went for 14, 15, 16 hours. You could probably read it. I'm not sure he maybe read maybe slightly faster. But what do you, going back to your life, would you not be willing to just spend even a few hours considering these things? Mm-hmm. Uh, because eternity is eternity. Mm-hmm. And there's no coming back, there's no second chance. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't teach us about a second chance. It talks about knowing Christ in this life so that we prepare for the life to come. Um, just another question. Uh, that's all amazing and amazing stuff for people to hear um, as Christians and non-Christians alike. But what would you say to someone who essentially believes that God is the enemy, you know, who looks at evil and... So, uh, like looks at for example last night the morns were on fire <laughs> it was quite a scary sight and like you know what what would you say to somebody who thinks god has no place in human affairs look at everything that has happened you know racism war famine all of these evils what why do we want god in that mix when he first allowed it Essentially, why are we allowing, why do we worship someone who has the power to take all evil away, but still lets it endure? They would call that tyrannical, and they would call that unfair. How would you, how would you respond to that kind of person? That, well, I, I haven't got all the answers. I, th- I was no. going to say that. I, th- I think that's something you have to think about. But I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, and you go back to Genesis, God made the world, and he made it, and it says he made the things that he made was good. In fact, when he mm-hmm. talked about man, it was very good. Uh, God gives man a choice as well, you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. people blame God. And I understand, I've worked with people who have come from war situations, famine situations, women who have been raped, all sorts of situations, really evil situations, you know. People who have seen people dead. I remember uh, a, a guy in Belfast uh, showing me his bullet wounds where he had been treated as a slave. And where he has, at least that was his story anyway. And, and, and how do you understand? Famine, for instance, at the minute, as we're sitting here talking, famine in some countries, uh, like the Yemen, for instance, you know, uh, two-thirds of the country is relying on food aid, you know. But did God cause that? Was there not enough food in the country, for instance? Where did the war come from? Where did the death and destruction come from? It's generally come from man's desire for power, control, mm. 
uh, I, I remember uh, reading one time and it, it talked about um, one of the large countries in the centre of Africa. If it was properly uh, done agricultural wise, farmed in the correct manner, it could probably feed the whole of Africa. It wasn't as if God hasn't provided us, but it's how we have misused it. And so often it's been the strong and powerful. Think of how many corrupt governments are in this world. Why today, as, as so many people, and I'm not, I'm not a politician, by the way, and I'm not trying to be one, but you, you take, for instance, the countries in Africa. Why is, there, why is there so many struggles in some of those places? Often you find a corrupt person at the head. Uh, so are you blaming God for that? Why does he not wipe that person out? And that's that's understandable. Why doesn't he? Because he has given us a choice. He's given us free will. He has given us opportunities. And, and those are struggles. But sometimes the struggles bring people actually closer to God. I, I've known people who, who have went through... I mean, I've just talked earlier on there about the death of my father and, and unemployment. Those actually brought me towards God. Most people would say horrible. Death, mm. unemployment, those would be massive. And they are massive problems. But it was actually God working in my life, bringing me to a point of recognizing that I was living life completely wrong without God. Sometimes he does that. But sometimes we don't have the answers. We don't have the answers why a child dies mm. at three or four years of age. Why did that... You know, a mother that's lost that child. I think we would be very wrong to have say we've got all the answers and God will, you know, come to God, come to Jesus, and all your problems will go away. I've known people who have come to know Christ as their Savior, and it's multiplied mm. their their problems. Sometimes people from another faith background come, uh, not not just here, but I mean anywhere in the world, especially in other countries, where there's maybe one particular faith in that country very strong faith uh, and, and they come to faith in Christianity this person and they're subjected to all sorts of persecution maybe their family disowns them maybe they lose their job maybe they even end up in, in prison for just changing faith because they're not allowed to so sometimes coming to faith in Christ it doesn't mean he's going to give you a Bentley and uh, uh a, a, a life of no illness. Um, I've lost a dear friend a couple of months ago who was became a Christian around the same time as I became one. He was actually three years younger than me. He was a minister of the you know he was a minister mm. in the church. He was he was a guy who loved people, who cared for people. He actually went to Africa to teach children as well. You were talking earlier on about things. This guy was someone who loved helping others why did he die of cancer i haven't got an answer for that there is there is no answer to that why did he die long before 80 years of age you know other christians i've known uh, that have died maybe with cancer in their 30s why 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 is that to be why as, as a man i think of sitting here that i know when he was 58 years of age took dementia yet he was a man who who was a minister of the gospel and loved God deeply, and he's still alive, but he now doesn't even recognize his own wife. Why does God allow that? I, I dare not say I have an answer for those things, but the Bible teaches that God works us all things together. 
mm-hmm. and he works out his purposes, his plans. And if you're listening to this today, his plans for you are for good, uh, not to harm you, not to. Uh, his plans for you to love you, to care for you. But are you willing to open your heart to that? Are you willing to uh, come to God just as you are? Uh, uh, so many people dress up, go to church. By the way, I'll dress up probably tomorrow morning and go to church. That's fine. That's maybe right of respect for God. But what I mean is there, there's a ritual to many people's lives. Mm. Sometimes people just, maybe you've been brought up in, in, a, in a situation where God is so distant because you, you belong to some faith group or whatever and all God means to you or all Jesus means to you is this. You go, you're forced to sit there, you hear these prayers, you hear someone uh, speak from the Bible, you you have to do certain things. Maybe you've been baptized as a child or m- maybe you've been confirmed into a church situation and, 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 and maybe you've known Christians who have hurt you and that's really, really sad. Um, but God is different and, and God is a different way and, and when you truly come Jesus talks about he will give us life and life to the full mm. uh, it's not that he's robbing me of life today he's given me a life that I can walk with him each day and know him each day And uh, I was walking along the beach the other night how beautiful and the sun was set and the waves were coming in way up at 8 o'clock at night and it was lovely but to, to be at one with my God, my creator, the one who made this, and to talk to him, uh, that's something way beyond this world can ever, ever. I'm at peace with my God. I'm at peace with the God of the Bible because Jesus has removed my sins. And what he's done for me, I know he can do for you. But you have to be willing to surrender it all to him to come as you are, sin and all, and bring it to the cross, bring it to Jesus, and say, Lord, save me, rescue me. I need you. Well, that about wraps that up. I think that was fantastic, fantastic to um, fantastic to hear from you. Thank you so much for coming on uh really really good hearing that uh really encouraging and beneficial to anyone no matter their background listening to this um episode so um do you want to do the honors of doing that like well well all i would say is i i i I will please like this if you do like this online (laughs) absolutely uh uh, uh, and and i'm going to say something else to you uh we would love to actually speak with you i mean Mm. uh we're not some I'm not somebody who is distant. I meet people face to face as best as you can with coronavirus. Let me say that with that. But, but what I mean is, uh, I think we're allowed in Northern Ireland to meet outside now. But what I'm what I'm really saying to you is, or over a phone or whatever else, uh, you may not in any way agree with what I've said, or what Joshua Matthews or Ben says here. But what? But you 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 may be open to discussing something. And we ain't got the answers because if we had all the answers, uh, we'd probably be living in some big palace somewhere and and and, mm. and and all the rest of it. We're just ordinary people. I'm from a very ordinary. My father was a factory worker, actually. Just just ordinary people from ordinary backgrounds, um, 
um, who 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 love God and have come to an understanding of that, and, and but certainly teaching the scriptures, teaching the Bible for many many years, and God has, has spoken to me on many many occasions. But we'd love to speak to you because that's what Jesus told us to do: we're to to, to be witnesses. It talks about uh, to tell others. And just in a very brief closing, very brief closing, people will turn around and say to me sometimes, but how do you know Jesus died on the cross? How do you know it was him that was really there? I'm going to ask you the question, who was at the cross? Just to finish with this. Who was there was Mary, his mother. Who was there was Joseph, uh, Was John, the, the disciple John, who had been with him eating the night before, who had been with him for three years. And these people saw him and Jesus from the cross spoke to John and spoke to his mother and others were there Mary Magdalene many others and they saw him die and the Roman centurion saw him die and in fact they put a spear in his side just in case he wasn't dead and they laid him in a tomb and he rose from the dead and he appeared unto many over 40 days he done it he proved it there was eyewitness account that's what John says at the end of the gospel why is the gospels written so that you may believe he gives these accounts so that you may believe I trust today just closing it so that you may believe that Jesus is the son of God who died on the cross who rose from the dead and is the only one who can give you forgiveness and salvation today because he is the Son of God. He is the sinless Son of God. And it's the only place that a sinner has to turn. The only place we can turn is to him. So please like us. Please do that if you do. Or you can put a thumbs down if you don't like us and, and, <laughs> and put a comment on or whatever else, wherever this happens to be. But maybe don't do it from a distance. Maybe, maybe a chat would be lovely too. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you connect with us, maybe that's a possibility of even chatting with you. Right. We really love that. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Um, And as you say, Stanley, do give us a chat. We love it. And we hope you have a very good day. Goodbye. 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 There we go.